Well, thanks so much. My name is Kalia, and I work for a nonprofit called Young Life, and we do youth outreach. And、um, one of the things I am really concerned about is how do we love young people well? And so that's one of the things I'm going to be talking to you guys about today. And so before we dig in, I kind of want to give you a snapshot of youth culture、um, by. Sharing about something that happened in my life ten years ago to kind of give us a picture of this is how young people can be sometimes. So I'll start with myself. So ten years ago,、um, I was actually a senior in high school, and we had Senior Ditch Day. And so our school did not、um, like sanction a Senior Ditch Day. We had to plan it on our own.、So、we planned to go to Great America. I'm actually from California, so this is the California Great America, not the one that's around here. And so, Great America is about an hour away from where I grew up in California. And so, one of my friends said that she would drive, and so we were all in the car. There was four of us. We were headed to Great America. We're almost there, about 45 minutes in the trip, and then something goes wrong. And so, we hit the the left side median. We ride that for a couple of seconds, and then my friend swerves, and we go off the road into a little ditch. So we all get out the car, and we're like, "What happened?" You know, we figure out and see if everybody's okay. Everybody's okay, and then we jump into action. You know, we have to call our parents. That was a very funny conversation with my parents.、Um, she has to call her sister because it was actually her sister's car. And the car ended up being totaled, so that was an even harder conversation.、Um, but we jump into action, and then people start coming over. A construction worker comes over. We say, you know, we're okay.、Um, I think the police come. We say we're okay. So about 30 minutes into this whole interaction,、uh, one friend actually leaves right away because it's just like too much for her to handle. So she leaves. So、um, me and other friend are there, and we're looking at each other, and we're like, "Okay, things are starting to settle down. What are we gonna do? We should go to Great America. We should continue on this trip." And that was our whole plan for the day to go to Great America. So we call up one of our friends. They pick us up. We're only 15 minutes away, and we go to Great America, and we have a blast. And so, what is the point of this story? Sometimes. Young people in their youthfulness, they can get very focused on what they want and where they're trying to get. And for us, the most important thing at that moment was literally getting to Great America. And so, yes, we had been in a car accident that, like I told you, the car actually got totaled, but we were all okay. But we needed to get to Great America that day, and so we did. And we did, like I said, have a great time. So that was the 17-year-old Kalia. We had to get to Great America. And so I think our youth culture can very much be whatever is happening right now is the most important thing. You know, there's things like YOLO, which is well. Let me take a little poll of our church. How many of you guys know what YOLO means? We're doing good. Okay, this is a cool church. So YOLO means you only live once, and so it means that what is going on right? Wait, who didn't know what YOLO meant? Okay. That's okay. You you should not be ashamed. So YOLO means you only live once. So it's this mentality of what's happening right now is where it's at. Another saying: turn down for what? You know, that's like whatever is happening right now is so exciting that I'm not coming down from it. And one from a, many many years back from Fifty Cent: get rich or die trying. 
the most important thing to me is getting rich. So I need to get rich or die trying. And so I think these are things that sometimes youth culture can ascribe to, that whatever is happening now is the most important thing. And honestly, I'm not going to teach us how to solve that today. I'm not going to even dig too deep into that. But I want to figure out and talk to you guys about today, what do we do in the midst of that? How do we help young people in the midst of that? And so I think many people probably view our youth as troubled or at risk are very or very, very broken. And I think our youth are troubled and very broken, but I think we are too. I think we are troubled and very broken. And so how do we help them in the midst of our brokenness? Because I think we've been at this brokenness thing a little bit longer than them, right? And so we should have something valuable to offer them. We should have good things to say to them about life. And so that's what we're going to be digging in today um, through a passage in Mark 2, um, 1 through 12. And Cameron is actually going to come read it for me. So please welcome her up here. Thank you. later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him, Jesus, because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat that the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, Paralyzed man, son, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say that this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, go home. Go t- I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Thanks. I should have had one of those applause signs. Um, So I love this passage because I think it gives us a great picture of how Jesus deals with people on the margins. And so this man was paralyzed, so he was different than the bulk of society because he didn't have the use of his limbs. Um, And so that made him different. And I think that our young people today are very different than the bulk of society. They're not like the mainstream of society. 
And so I think we can look at this story and see how Jesus dealt with this man and know better how to love and help and reach our young people. So that's why we're looking at this story. So the first thing that I want us to look at is word usage. And so there's different versions of this story. Um, You know, there's different versions of the Bible, and so it's worded differently in different places. And so one of the ways it's worded is Jesus heals a paralytic. Second way it's worded is Jesus heals a paralyzed man. Um, Another way it's worded is Jesus heals a man with palsy, a man sick with palsy. And so these three different ways that it's worded are actually very different because we can look at, okay, where is emphasis placed? Okay, Jesus heals a paralytic. So if you are a paralytic, that's all you are, a paralytic. That is your identity. If Jesus heals a man, a paralyzed man, it's both and. You are paralyzed, and that's where the emphasis lies, but you are still a man. If Jesus heals a man sick with palsy, what are you first? You're a man, and you have this condition that has made you sick. And so I think that the way we word things and how we say things are actually very, very important. So this man, how many times in his life was he just looked at as a paralytic? The man that couldn't offer anything to society, the man that couldn't work, the man that needed to be helped to do everything versus a man who has a condition. And so um, I don't know how this man's family viewed him. I don't know how culture viewed this man, Um, but Jesus calls him something different. Jesus calls this man son, and his friends see enough value in him to try and get him to Jesus. And so church, no matter what people call our young people, we are called to see value in them um, and try and get them to Jesus. And so they are not thugs or hooligans or delinquents. They are sons and daughters of God. And I, and I know some of you guys are probably thinking, I've never said a bad thing out of my mouth ever about a young person. And I appreciate that. But I think sometimes we can uh, say things about them in our mind and we can view them in a certain way. I bet when that uh, man was at his house or maybe even lying by the side of the road sometimes, when people walked by him, they probably didn't say bad things about him. But maybe they shook their head or maybe they were like, oh, that is a shame, you know, in their head when they walked past him. And so I know we might not be saying bad things out our mouth about our young people, but when we see them acting up on the corner or they're acting up in our classroom, what words are we saying in our heart about them? What words are we saying in our mind about them? And so once again, what we call people, how we see people is very, very important. Um, One of the things I really appreciated this summer about going to Malawi is that in Malawi, all the people's names mean something. And so it means, you know, their names mean gift or love or blessing. And some of you guys have this in your culture as well. Like your name means something. And I think that's super, super great. Um, and I, when I was in Malawi, I also found out that there were some people named trouble or lonely. And so can you imagine being called lonely all your life? Our names are something that we're called from sometime before we're born. You know, our parents figure out what our name is going to be, and they call us that over and over and over again. 
until after we die. And so if you guys don't like your names, you know, that's going to be a problem because you have it all your life. Um, And so once again, when I was in Malawi, learning about these names and how they mean something and how it's important. And so I think what we call each other is important. If you're called something bad over and over and over again, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so how are we viewing our young people? How are we valuing them? What are we saying about them? And so Jesus calls this man son. And then after that, what does he say? Son, your sins are forgiven. And so Jesus looks past the external into the internal, into what's happening in here. So I think about this man, and, you know, we know that he's paralyzed. And so once again thinking, how much sin could this man have committed? You know, he was paralyzed. He didn't have the function of his limbs. And so how much sinning was he doing? But Jesus is not looking at the external. Jesus is not looking at his condition. Jesus is looking at the condition of his heart. And so Jesus looks past the external to this man's heart. Um, I really, really believe that most of the things that our young people are struggling with, it's not in their actions. It's things that are going on in here, in their head, and in here, in their heart. And when Jesus addresses this man, he's not looking at his physical condition. He's looking at his heart. And so how do we get to the heart of the issue with our young people and try and address that? Um, you know, what, what happens in a kid's life to get them to the point where they want to harm someone or they want to harm themselves? What type of abuse or neglect or misguidance has happened in a kid's life to get them to the point where they chronically don't show up for school? What kind of things are going on in a young person's life to make that happen? Once again, internal struggles. Um, so I think a lot of times we're, we're judging our youth on who they are by all these actions that they're doing. And I get it. Some of them are out of control. Some of the actions are out of control. But what's going on in here? That's what Jesus, he sees past all of that and once again um, addresses the heart of the issue, addresses this man's sins. Another story of how Jesus deals with people on the margins is the story of the woman with the issue of blood. So back then, if you were bleeding, it was a problem. You couldn't be with the rest of society. So women, when they were bleeding, had to be sent away. And so this woman was bleeding for her entire life. So she was on the margins of of the community. And so when Jesus encounters this woman in Luke 8, um, it says that she told Jesus the whole truth. And so Jesus had to sit there and listen to the whole truth from this woman, which I believe was the whole story of her condition, of how she had been trying to get to doctors and couldn't. And um, the way Jesus cares for this woman, I think, is, is really important. He listens to her whole story. And so are we willing to take the time with our young people and really hear what they have to say, get to know them, Listen to their whole story. Because some of our young people at age 12 and 13 already have a story to tell. Some of our young people at age 14 and 15 already have years and years and years of baggage. 
I know I had some baggage as a teenager. And baggage might not always come from something horrible that happened in, in your life. It might come from word usage, the way your parents talked to you and you didn't like that, or the way people treated you at school because you didn't like that. And so how do we, with our young people, help them deal with some of that, help them um, get through some of that baggage at an earlier age, at a younger age? Once again, seeing past the physical that's going on, getting to the heart of the issue, taking the time to listen to them and figure out who they are. The last thing that I really, really love about this story um, is these friends. You know, when, when I was preparing for this sermon, every time I'd get to this part, the song would pop into my head. Friends, you guys finish it. Okay, you guys know it. Once again, that's two cool points for our church. Good job. So um, this man had some great friends, like incredible friends that were willing to be very, very persistent with him. So I think one of the great things about these friends, um, and we can see it in verse um, 3, just saying that, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. So there wasn't one of them, there wasn't two of them, there were four of them. So these friends knew the power of community. They knew that they couldn't do it on their own. They knew that they needed some more people to help them get their friend to Jesus. And so typically what I do is put myself in the story so that I feel like I'm living. And I say, you know, what, what would my response have been in that time? And this is one of the places where I say, Kalia, you probably wouldn't have done it like that. Because I can sometimes get so independent and want to do things on my own that I forget to ask for help. So one thing I really respect about these friends is that they knew that it wasn't just going to take one of them or two of them or three of them. They got four friends together to carry their friend to Jesus. And I think this is a really big deal. Um, Youth workers, which means anybody who works with young people um, at all, mentor, you know, whatever title. If you work with young people, I call you a youth worker. Um, Youth workers. I think sometimes in our wanting to help young people so badly, we can be trying to carry them alone on our back. I think some of us can be good enough to ask one other person, and so you and that other person are trying to drag this young person to Jesus or trying to get them to where they need to be. Um, But even that is not what this person needs. They need more help. They need a community around them trying to help them to get to Jesus. And so I think these friends were really wise and really smart, and I commend them for it because they knew it's not just going to take me because what I can offer is not all that a young person needs. They need more than just what I can offer. And so they were able to get all of their friends together to take this man to Jesus. Um, And so, you know, I think of this in our current day in our culture. What if a, a teacher and a counselor and um, a youth pastor got together with the kid's parents to create a plan for a young person that's troubled or at risk or broken and say, how can we together reach this young person? Do you know how impactful that could be? Do you know how effective that could be? I think uh, our society is racking its brain. How can we help our young people? How can we help our young people? 
Well, it can't just be one person. It can't just be two people. But what if as a community, we decided to get together and get all of these wonderful, capable adults in this room together to try and help our young people? Another thing I like about these friends, um, when they finally got to what, where they were going, they encountered an obstacle. You know, it says, um, I think in verse 4, if you can pull it back up for me. Yeah, in verse 4 it says that, and when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And so they encountered an obstacle, and what did they do? They went through it. And so once again, putting myself in this story, um, and I sometimes, I can think highly of myself, but I'm also very honest with myself. And so I'm like, Kalia, if you were there, maybe you would have got some friends together and got this person to where they were going. But when you got there and you saw that there was a crowd, this probably would have been my response. Well, you know, we tried. I am sorry, and I love you, but we really tried. We just walked all this way to get you here, and it's crowded. Sorry. Like, I just, I know myself. And so um, these friends, that wasn't their response. Um, they probably did have to walk a long ways because people just had to walk in Jesus' day. That's, that's how it went. And when they got there, they didn't give up when they encountered a serious obstacle. They instead decided, you know what, there's got to be another way because we need to get you to Jesus. And so the persistence of these friends is absolutely incredible. Um, I think the crowd in our society can sometimes represent whatever is trying to keep that young person um, from Jesus, the, the naysayers, or whatever is trying to keep them from getting to where they need to be or where they should be or where they were created to be. And so that crowd was, was keeping them from getting to where they need to be. And once again, these friends find a way around it, which I think is incredible. Um, and so, church, I ask you, Who are you willing to break through the roof for? Who are you willing to uh, break through the roof of regret, of insecurities, of I can't and I won't because I've never... Who are you willing to break through the roof for and find creative solutions? These friends were so creative. I mean, who thinks of that? Break through the roof. Yeah, we're just going to break through the roof. They loved their friend so much that they were willing to be creative for him. So I hope that we can be creative for our young people when they say, I can't do that. I won't do that. I'm No, no. I hope we can be creative and love them enough to try and find another way. Um, so, so let's get practical. Um, I'm actually coming to the end. And so I want to give you guys some practical things that we can do together to really reach our young people because I've been talking a lot of, about, about a lot of theological and philosophical things. And so let's zoom in and see how we can be practical. So let me be clear about what I'm asking from us. Um, I'm not asking that you guys all sign up to be young life leaders or mentors or even that you all quit your job and go back to school and become teachers. 
All that stuff is so, so wonderful. And maybe God is calling some of you guys to that, and that would be great. But I personally don't believe that everyone in the world should be doing those things. I think that God has called a few people, um, or maybe even a good amount of people, to do those things and work with young people. So not asking you to do that. But here are three practical things that I'm going to ask, that I am going to ask you to do. And so one of them is to be part of a team. Um, You don't have to be directly involved with young people to encourage those who do. So I think one of the great ways that our church does this is through prayer around the schools. So all you have to do, show up on a Saturday morning and pray for schools and pray for young people and pray for teachers. So that is a very practical way of being involved, being part of a team, helping someone who helps young people. Um, Another way is supporting teachers. Teachers always need extra hands um, at their school via a history fair or a science fair or even a poetry slam. People, teachers need people at their school helping them with their events. Another way to help teachers, most teachers decorate their classroom at some point in the year. You can be a person that's helping them to decorate their classroom and show up and be a presence at their school. So be part of a team. Help someone who's already involved with youth. Encourage them. Pray for them. All of us have at least one youth worker in our community groups. So easy way to encourage them or help them. Hey, what do you need help with this week? Hey, how can we be better supporting you as a teacher because you're in the field every single day with those kids. How can I help you? How can I keep you encouraged? We keep our youth workers encouraged. They're going to be the ones affecting youth and continuing to grow God's kingdom. Um, one, another way that our church is doing this, um, and this will be, this should be news to everyone because I don't think anybody knows this, but um, we actually as a church wrote a grant um, that we actually got. And one of the things in the grant was a teacher's benevolence fund. And so what we're going to be doing is that teachers are going to be applying to this benevolence fund to get stuff for your classroom, get whatever you need for your school. Because we know that most of you teachers provide for kids at your school or things from your classroom out of your pocket. And so we, as a church, are saying, we want to be part of your team. We want to help you help kids because we know if we can assist you and encourage you, then you are going to be the one changing kids' lives, affecting kids' lives. So be a part of the team. The the team, the group of friends, were able to get their friend to Jesus because they were a team. And so I'm encouraging you guys, be part of a team. Um. The second thing I want to encourage you guys to do that's practical is be a person who sees value in our youth. Um, Seeing value can be anything from, you know, taking your actual son or daughter, niece, nephew, cousin, because all of us have young people typically in our family, taking them on a date night or having a sit down with them and saying like, hey, tell me about school or actually spending some quality time with a young person. It can be anything from that to a smile or a hello to a stranger that's a young person. 
that you don't know. Because a hello communicates, I see you. And I think oftentimes our young people don't feel seen, they don't feel heard. Um, my theory is that that's why some of them are acting so crazy, because they're trying to get your attention. And they're saying, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. And so you get to do that. You get to say, hey, I see you. Hey, how are you doing? Or, um, you know, how was your day today? Or even, hey, what's your name? You know, get to know them. Just a hello says, I value you. I value enough to speak to you when, when I'm crossing you on the sidewalk or I see you at the bus stop. I'm valuing you. And so you can fall. So like I said, some of you guys have a lot of young people in your life, so maybe you need to take some time and show them some more attention, but maybe some of you don't. And so you can start valuing them by just saying hello, saying, I see you, um, getting to know them, their name. The last practical thing that I want to encourage you guys to do is be led by the Holy Spirit. All of these things that I'm asking you to do start with be, because I don't want you guys to feel that you have to like go out and try and save all the young people in Chicago, but I want you to start with who you're becoming. Are you becoming a person who's valuing young, per- young people? Are you becoming a person who wants to be part of a team to reach young people? And so be a person led by the Holy Spirit. After those uh, friends got their friend to, to Jesus, they were up on the roof. You know, I'm imagining them up on the roof, and their friend is down there with Jesus because they've lowered him down there. I think at some point, because they probably used some sort of rope apparatus to get him down there, at some point they had to drop the rope. <laughs> they had to leave their friend in the care of Jesus. And so are we willing to leave some room between where the miracle happens and where our work and our effort stops? And once again, talking to my youth workers and my friends, because I fall in this category too, where do you stop your effort and leave the rest to Jesus? Because if the miracle's over here and you're working, 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 working to the miracle, you're going to think that you did it all on your own. You're going to take credit. It's going to be your miracle. It's going to be your effort. But if you work, 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 stop here, you leave room for God to do what he's going to do. And friends, the space between where you stop and where the miracle happens is called faith. Faith is the substance of things most hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So at what point do we have faith and trust in God to reach our young people. And once again, like I said, I'm talking to the youth workers because I know at this time of the year, I am so tired. (laughs) I'm like, will summer come already? Can I just sleep? Can I not do anything? Why am I so tired? I'm doing too much. I'm thinking that I am the savior of these kids. I'm thinking that I am the miracle worker of these kids. And that is not true. I have to leave room for Jesus to work. I have to leave room for God to work. And so um, I asked you guys, I asked my youth worker friends, um, will you let your load be light this week and enjoy the the view from the roof because God is at work? And for those who have children and nieces and nephews, 
brothers and sisters and cousins that you are constantly worried about because they're out there doing whatever. Will you let your load be light this week and not worry about them because you believe that God is at work? Because you trust God enough to believe that he is at work in the life of that young person that you love so very much. And for my friends who feel like, maybe you feel like you're a stranger to young people. Maybe you feel like, I don't really know that many young people. I don't really have that many in my family. Will you just listen? Will you listen to the Holy Spirit who may nudge you this week to smile or speak or maybe even become more involved or maybe become part of a team? Will you just listen? Because I don't think that you have to work very hard to do this work. I think the, if we're listening to the Holy Spirit, if we're being led by the Holy Spirit, we can hear where he's telling us um, to smile or to do. Um, and so will you let your load be light this week and just listen? I want to leave you guys with a, a parting story. You know, once again, sometimes as a person who works with youth, <clears throat> I can get very discouraged because you kind of survey the land, you see all the problems out there, and you're like, wow, our society is messed up. Wow, our community is messed up. Wow, there is some family dysfunction there. And then the problems that the young person is dealing with on their own, their own personal issues. And, you know, I can get discouraged with all that. And so I was actually in a class um, two weeks ago, and I kind of presented that to my teacher, and I said, what do you do with all this? Um, And she gave me this story which I'm going to leave with you guys, and maybe you've heard it. Um, But the story goes, there was a man on the beach, and he was walking with his friend. And he sees all these washed-up starfish on the beach. And he's walking with his friends, and he starts to pick them up, throw them back in the ocean. And there's, like, thousands of them. There are, like, so many starfish on that beach. And he walks a few feet, and he picks them up, and he throws them back in the water. And so his friend sees him doing this, and he's like, man, there are thousands of starfish. You are not going to be able to save them all. And um, he says, he, the friend looks at him, and he picks up a starfish, and he throws it back into the ocean. And he says, I know, but I just saved that one. And so I think that is the mentality we are called to have. Once again, I know there's some issues out there. I know there's a, some mentalities that we're bumping up against. And there's thousands and thousands of young people that really do need our help, especially in the city of Chicago. And I'm not asking you guys to go save them all. I'm not asking you guys to go help them all. Teachers, I'm not asking you to save your whole school. But there might be one, if we listen to the Holy Spirit, that God really is calling us to reach. And so that's what keeps me in the game, saying, you know what? I may not change every young person I meet, but there are some young people that I am sure that they are changed because I got to know them and they got to know Jesus. And so, friends, would you be willing to be starfish slingers (laughs) together as a church? Once again, we might not be able to reach all of them, but to be led by the Holy Spirit and figure out which ones am I supposed to be throwing back in the ocean, getting them back to where they were designed to be, getting them back to where they were created to be, getting them back to Jesus.